This is the SETN Podcast with Chris Goforth and Chandler Morrison, covering high school football in Chattanooga and the Southeast Tennessee area. The SETN Podcast. SETN preps as uh, the state championships are now complete. Chris Goforth, Chandler Morrison, back with you, and we are ready to uh, to break it down uh, after a full weekend of football in Cookville. You know, you can find us online. Find us on Twitter at SETN Preps. You can find uh, Chandler at Sports Chandler. You can find me at Chris Goforth One. You can find this podcast on Facebook, and you can like our Facebook page by going to uh, just go to Facebook and in the search bar, type in SETN Preps. You can find us there. Also, make sure you subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. We appreciate the, those five-star uh, reviews on Apple Podcasts. You can also find us on Spotify, podcast.com, TuneIn, Pandora, as well as our website at setnpreps.com. So, Chandler, here we go. We uh, we went one for two this weekend in bringing gold balls back here to the uh, to the Chattanooga area to southeast Tennessee congratulations to Macaulay the blue tornado they were the dominant team uh, or the best team I should say uh, in division two class 3a pretty much the whole year so I don't know that it's a surprise that you know Macaulay was able to finish the drill and win this thing uh, Megs County I thought uh, Yesterday, when it was sixteen to seven at the half, I thought Megs County was going to be able to hold on and uh, and win this thing. But the second half, Peabody was just a little too much. Give me your thoughts on the weekend. I, I thought they were both really, really good games. Uh, of course, McCauley, I thought that was more of a blowout in the second half. But as far as you know, when you're in Division Two, though, even the twenty-one-seven game feels like it can change in a, in a flat. So. Yeah, but I'll be honest, Chandler, that McCauley game, to me, I don't think the final score is really indicative of how dominant McCauley was in that game. First off, you remember McCauley had a turnover inside the five, so it should have been, honestly, 35-7, to and I thought McCauley just, I mean, the NBA's offense, and we talked about it last week about how they just weren't very explosive offensively, and that kind of held true, I thought. I mean, they, they just – you never felt like NBA was really ready to take control of that game, that their offense was ready to get them back in it. I mean, it just – when when McCauley went up 21-7, you and I both said it on, on Twitter, even though you accused me of, uh, uh, of you know, trying to copy your tweet. Um, but when it went to 21-7 – it was done. That was a game. You knew right then there was no way NBA was going to come back from that. They just didn't have the horses. Yeah, and, you know, I think our Twitter war there a little bit was more exciting than the end of that game. But, it probably um, was. Yeah, you, you're probably right about that. I think you and I going going at each other on Twitter was, was maybe more maybe more entertaining than, than the end of that game. But um, that was awesome, though, for Macaulay. I mean, again, yeah. they – uh, it was a great win uh, to get that monkey off their back and beat NBA for the first time in 13 years. Um, you know, those those seniors at Macaulay, they weren't even in school yet. They hadn't even started kindergarten yet the last time Macaulay beat NBA. So for them to be able to, to get that monkey off their back 
and do it in a state championship game, man, that's that's after school special level of you know redemption and comeback and all that. So congratulations to them. That that was awesome. Yeah, and, and you know a couple of quick hits on this Bacali game. D'Angelo Hardy, your MVP of the game, no surprise there. I mean. The dude just balls. I mean, he looked like Cam Newton or Andrew Luck out there on the field because he would just – listen, He, he we know he's going to run, but those kind of runs he was going on, he wasn't afraid to lower that shoulder. I know some college coaches are probably not too happy about that, but maybe Kennesaw State is. That's why they got him. I mean, and by the way, he's just looking better and better as far as going to the next level, Chris. But he looks like – I'm not comparing him as far as, like, physical ability to them. But what I am comparing is the style of play he does where he will just lower the shoulder and hit somebody. He's not afraid. He's like a running back playing quarterback almost sometimes. But he, he can throw the ball and everything. But um, Now, you, you, you know, know what stands out to me about him is that spin move. Man, go back and watch that. And I want to say that it was in the second half when there was a, a play – and he's he's carrying the ball, and he gets into traffic. And right before he's hit, there's like it, it's like playing PlayStation or something. You know, you hit the X button, and the dude spins, and that's what it looked like with D'Angelo Hardy because somebody just hit the X button, and, and he just spun, and it, it was so quick, but it was such a thing of beauty to watch him run with the ball. He is gifted, I, you know. He yeah. is gifted. Um, there is no doubt. He is, uh, and I've I've said it before. I think he is as good at at running that offense and and being kind of an option type quarterback. I think he is as good as anybody we have seen in this area in a long time. I mean, I would put him on the short list of really great option quarterbacks uh, in our area. And man, he's just. He is so smooth with a ball in his hands. It is, he is fun to watch. Macaulay also, by the way, they said, and this is kind of interesting. This is kind of a little interesting factoid here, Chris. Macaulay sets a state championship record for sacks in a game in the state championship, which was previously set by NBA in 1999. And by the way, NBA lost 53 yards of offense alone on those nine sacks. Well, that so, Macaulay defensive line, and it, here's the thing. It wasn't Jay Hardy that was that racked yeah. up the now maybe it was them trying to defend and and worry about Jay Hardy so much they let those other guys but I'm gonna tell you James Howard the the defensive tackle the the uh, the, the nose guy number twenty from Macaulay mm-hmm. he looked unblockable at times on Thursday night man I'm telling you if any colleges that come well I know Jay Hardy's already you know where he's going, but if any college is going to look at him, they have another talent right beside him, you know. Well, and Howard's you know. only a sophomore, too, so he's got uh, he's got two more years to yeah. go. And there's there's a lot of guys on that Macaulay defense that will be back next year and um, will be able to will be able to go. Now, clearly, they're going to miss some of those guys on offense. You don't just, even at Macaulay, you don't just roll out of bed and replace D'Angelo Hardy. But defensively now, they're going to have some guys coming back that um, can play a little bit. Yeah, and here's the thing, Chris. I think if, if, if McCauley's going to win next year and, and be successful next year, they're going to look it's kind of interesting because they're going to kind of look like NBA, Chris, because they're going to have a solid defense and a really great defense, but they're not going to have 
those anchors on offense like they've had this year with with, with uh, D'Angelo Hardy and that kind of thing. I know Jay Hardy's a big a big loss, but they've still got a stellar defense, Chris. That's what's going to be interesting as we go to next year. But, you know, I, I think this is a well-played game all around by McCauley. I think offense, defense, everybody had it. You know, you know, and McCauley, I know if you were watching on Twitter uh, – was kind of talking about how McCauley was a little bit predictable on offense, uh, but I will. They were able to change in that second half and kind of game out of its misery, uh, where it was you know kind of that close game. You wonder what's going to happen, kind of put it beyond that, and put the final nail in the coffin, changing things up and doing some different things. I, I thought that was great coaching and uh, a schematics to be able to do that. Um, you know, there's not much more I can say about this McCauley team other than that they played one heck of a ball game on both sides of the ball Thursday. One turnover, two penalties for McCauley. <laughs> they, two yeah. flags for 20 yards, and they did have the a uh, – pretty close. Yeah, I mean, they, they were. They played really, really well. So, again, congratulations to Coach Potter. Congratulations to the McCauley Blue Tornado on winning their second – state championship megs county and peabody that was the class 2a uh, state championship game on saturday as peabody uh, came from behind after megs jumped out to that 16 uh, 16 to 7 lead at one point i think it was 16 7 at the half and chandler i felt good about it at that point i, I thought megs you know they're going to have this thing in hand and all the stuff that you know, the, the hyperbole that I had heard all year about Peabody that maybe it just wasn't true, and then the second half happened. And you sit back now and look at it again. That was my gut reaction of following this game on Saturday, and I was doing it from Atlanta um, at the SEC championship game, so I wasn't able to watch a whole lot of it, but I was able to kind of follow along, and it felt like, Megs County had this game in hand, and then I pick up the paper and I look at the box score, and Peabody really dominated the stat line, 347 yards of total offense to 153 for Megs County, and they shut out Megs County in the second half. After Megs had that 16-7 lead at the break, Peabody completely shut everything down in the second half, and that was it. That was your ball game. Yeah, here that's what great teams do to you, Chris. They adjust. Halftime. When you look at the great coaches, when you look at the great players, when you look at the great teams that we've talked about and probably, you know, going to championships, the great teams adjust. Uh, we talked, we saw last year that, you know, that was a 6 0 game going into the half. Didn't score in the fourth quarter, but they had to change some things up as that game along, Whitwell did, to win that ball game. We saw that with McCauley. You know, there was a close game behind or anything. It was just a close game. I think, what, it was 14-7 at the half? No, twenty. yeah, 14-7 at the half because they scored a touchdown in each quarter, right? And then once you got to the second half, they made some adjustments. They changed up that offense. And what do you know? They've got a state championship. So the great teams always adjust. I never tried to say, all right, this team's ahead at the half. They're going to win the ball game because, listen, Great teams adjust. It's a state championship. Oh, and here's the thing. We, we talked about this the past few weeks, Chris. This is Mex County. They had six penalties. Now, that doesn't sound like a lot. It's actually less. But when you have um, Peabody and they have three penalties and you got six penalties, you're backed up. You're losing 56 yards pretty much. 
offense that you could have had, Chris, on that. Roughly, probably less than that because you'll make back. But, you know, when you get in that second, these penalties, and then you're struggling, and it's a Peabody team that knows how to adjust. It's And, and Mexicani comes up short. It was a heck and By the way, Chris, um, I saw pictures on, on uh, Facebook and Twitter and all that where people were showing that Mexicani was not in the trophy after the game which I thought was really interesting. I think uh, Swafford went and got the trophy. He set it down on the ground. And, of course, he was kind of like, you know, he, he was kind of emotional. But nobody touched the trophy until they had to take put it on the bus, from, from what I heard. So, I mean, that's interesting because, you know, we talk all the time about wanting to go get the gold ball. These kids were dead set on the ball, Chris. They, didn't, they were so dead set on it, they didn't even want to touch. They didn't even want to touch. That silver trophy, Chris. I think that shows a lot of hard determination and just how uh, dedicated these guys were to trying to win that state championship. And how much emotion is in high school football, Chris? That that just shows it. Oh, especially especially in a place like Meigs County, where you know yeah. football can be everything. And when you've had a season like what they've had, I, I felt for those kids um, and the fact that they weren't able to, you know, the second half went the way it did. And, they weren't able to win. I, they were a fun team to follow over the course of this season. I mean, we've talked a lot about Aaron Swafford these last two years um, in, in doing this podcast, and, you know, he's another one that will go down as as one of the all-timers in our area for the way he played. I mean, gosh, he's a three-time Mr. Football finalist. Uh, he won it once but was a finalist for three years in a row. He's – I think he's four years uh, all region, and he may have been four years all state. Um, but just you know, heck of a career for him, and and that that senior class as a whole at, at Meigs County that that was a special group for them. And you hate to see it come to an end, but it's I tell you, it's one of those things those kids will never forget this year and all the things that happened. And when they get together, you know, thirty years from now. That's going to be, you know, they're not going to remember. Um, they're not going to remember the bad stuff. They'll remember all the good stuff and 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 how fun uh, playing for Coach Fitzgerald was for them next year. I'm interested to see what Megs. I'm interested to see what they look like next year because you're you losing such a generational talent in Aaron Swafford and his. Coach Fitzgerald mentioned this in his uh, his comments to the paper. He talked about all the other guys around him, that they had so many great role players on that team. I'm interested to see what they look like next year and how good will Meigs County be going into next year. I, I, I want to see what they look like. So um, we'll see. He's a heck of a coach, as we've talked about before. So it should be fun to uh, to watch them next year and see what they look like. You got any other thoughts on uh, Meigs County and Peabody as we'll put a bow on that one as well? I don't have any more on Chris. I just want to give you a little bit of trivia about Chattanooga and the state title game real quick. Uh, Chattanooga did the state title games. All right. So three times, only three times in, in the history of the since 1969, have, have more than one Chattanooga team won a state championship in the same year. You'll probably get two of these pretty easy. 
I don't know about the third, Chris. Do you know what years and what schools? Oh, goodness. Say that. Ask me that again now. All right. I want the year and the schools on this, all right, where okay. where, where, uh, hold on a second. where two or more won a state title from the Chattanooga area. Okay. Uh, two or more won a state title. Let's see. There was one time back in the 90s when South Pittsburgh and Marion County both won it. Am I correct? Yes. Do you know okay. That? Um. I don't know the years. They all run together after a while, Chandler. I'm a lot older than you, and the years the years just run together. Marion, uh, you know. Marion County and Cleveland won state championships in the same year. Was that in 95? 95, yep. Okay. So there's two. How many times did you say it had happened? Three times. Three times. Okay, so I've gotten two out of the three. All right, so let me. Th- you got, you got, you got. You've got one and a half. I'll give you one and a half. How do I have one and a half? We'll see you later. Okay, give me give me another give me another year in school. I'll see you later. Uh, let's see. There was. I gotta think. Did anybody else win it the year that Red Bank won it? Did anybody else win it the year that? Um. Tyner won it back in the 90s. I don't think so. So it leads me to think that it's got to be somebody here recently that has that has been able to do it. I don't know. I'm lost on the third one. I, of course, I would nail the two Valley, uh, the, the two times that a team from the Valley did it. I know Marion County, South Pitt, and I know Marion County in Cleveland one year, then 95. Um, tell me who the other. All right. So basically in 1990, Marion Pittsburgh and Cleveland, a state title in 1994. Okay. So you had three win that year. That's the only time three Chattanooga area teams have won in the same year. All right. Gotcha. 1995, Marion County and Cleveland. All right. In 2010, Mountain and South Pittsburgh both won the state Ah, title. That's right. See, I knew it had to be. I thought you would miss that one. I, I knew it had to be something recent, or or more recent. That was a decade ago, but I yeah, knew it you, had you to be almost, something more recent than that. Yeah, you almost forget about Signal Mountain winning the state championship because that was such a unique situation. Because you had a school that was in two A classification at the time, Chris, basically had the size of a school because the enrollment and they were so big of a four A school almost at that point. You know what right, I mean? Right. So, so it. It was kind of like face. It was. It felt like facing the giant. I don't know. You've seen that movie. I love that movie. Like you were playing that movie. It always. I don't know why. It always reminds me the team across across the field in facing the giants or facing in the state title game or whatever. Always feels like it's Signal Mountain because they had like 80, 90 guys that were in today's <laughs> school. <laughs> I don't know. The guy across the field. He kind of looks like Bill Price. Not completely, but he kind of looks like Bill Price. So. I don't know, but but yeah, there's just some trivia. If you want some trivia about high school football in the Chattanooga area this week, we got it to you. And two for three. Uh, I'll give you the two because you know Marion County, South Pittsburgh, everybody knows that. But you that, you got the two schools, three schools. So I'll give you two out of the three. All right. uh, of those years. So All right, that's that's fine. That's fine. Hey, one other note that I did want to pass along You're this passing. week is is we get ready. Um, 
for the 2020 prep football season, go ahead, get your calendar out. You're going to want to mark this down. The Jamborees will be held on August the 14th and the 15th. That is a Friday and a Saturday. So you'll have the Sequatchie Valley Jamboree uh, on August the 14th. And then the the Jamboree in Hamilton County at Finley Stadium will be August 14th and 15th. So that is your your dates this year for the for the jamboree, and um, Chandler, it will be here before we know it. We had our um, pick'em contest that we started way back at the end of the regular season. Once the playoff brackets were set, you could enter our bracket challenge. You could go through. You had to pick every game in the playoffs. Chandler, do we have a winner yet? Do we know who? is going to join us on the podcast next week? Uh, we we do. Uh, that will be uh, the username TaylorSnyder98. So I'm going to Snyder. But that's the username we have is Taylor98. So if you're listening to this podcast we'll, this week, we have your email. Uh, we can probably if not. Uh, but we contact you this week, and you will be – it'll be right, Chris? Yeah, we'll try to get uh, Taylor Schneider, 98, on with us next week to talk a little bit about uh, high school football. Also coming up, Chandler and I will do our uh, kind of end-of-the-season wrap-up and awards show. Uh, that will be coming up here soon. We'll get that done before Christmas as well, and then we'll take a little break uh, over the Christmas and the New Year holiday, and we'll be back with you again in January uh, from time to time to talk some uh, – some some prep football. Chandler, I think it's time to get to our final rankings of the year. It is, Chris. I'm going to let you go ahead and lead us off. Let's go with the large school classification first. If you have anybody other than Macaulay first, you're wrong. But go ahead and tell me your one through five in the large school classifications. All right. At number one, I've got Macaulay. Uh, shocker. Uh, number two, I have Baylor. Number three, I have Ray County. Number four, I have McMinn County. And number five, I have Bradley Central. So, and Chris, I was going off of this season. I'm not going off of anything. And I think a lot of people are thinking we're going to be looking to the future. This is not way too early rankings. This is the end of the year rankings. Like, if, if we had the AP poll for the end of the year, as far as, like, this is what we're doing for those large schools. So, I, I'm pretty so everybody understands this. Yeah, we're, we're basing this off of uh, this has nothing to do with how we think a team is going to fare next year. This is all about where they are at the end of this season. I, I, you, there is no way you can do this and not have Macaulay number one. It can't happen. Uh, Baylor is number two for me. I've got Boyd Buchanan in at number three. Maybe I'm just drinking the Kool-Aid. Uh, McMinn Central is number four, and Bradley, I'm sorry, McMinn County is number four, and Bradley Central is in at number five for me. So the only, you had Ray County, I had Boyd Buchanan. Other than that, we've got it. If, if we did a top six, I'd, I'd have uh, Ray County being number six in, in mine. So I think we're kind of right there together. Yeah, yeah. We, we probably got the top six just in different. 
Now, how about your small school rankings? This is, by the way, we set up the large schools as 4A, 5A, 6A, and then all of the privates together. And we have the small school classification as 1A, 2A, and 3A, and they're all together. So, Chandler, let me hear your small school rankings now. All right, so for the small school, I have uh, at I'll go I'll go from the bottom. At number five, I got Bledsoe County. I think they were just you know they were really lost in the first round, but they had Watertown in the first round. If you if you, you know if you're going to lose somebody in the first round, Watertown, I mean I, I'm not going to hold that against you. Game and kind of keep it close. Um, number Connor, um, I think they had a great. They just can never. They just could never get Bledsoe County hump. Uh, and it's always kind of been in dominant fashion. I don't know if county ever figured out about Tyner, but they figured out they can use every single year. Uh, number three, I have Red Bank. Uh, they had a pretty good season. I think we've almost forgot, you know, a lot of people forgot it. They to the quarterfinals before they lost to Loudon, you know. Um, and that Loudon team was like a once-in-a-generation type team from everybody that we've talked to, Chris. Um, at number two, I've got South Pittsburgh. They Finals, they lose to Greenback by a hair. Um, and number one, I've got the team who beat Greenback and made it to the state finals. Uh, that is Mex County. So uh, I know that's kind of weird. You know, you had South Pittsburgh beat Mex County, but Mex County also beat Greenback, who beat South Pittsburgh, and they also got the state. So my number one is Mex County. I know that's kind of probably put South Pittsburgh or Mex County in there because I think South Pittsburgh might, if they played again, they would play tie. They would probably go five and five against each other if they played ten times. I think that's how that game that would go. Yeah, I think they're um, yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I think they're I think they're pretty even and I've got the exact same five Chandler in that exact same order. Bledsoe County at five, Tyner at four, Red Bank at number three, South Pittsburgh at number two, and Megs County at number one. So that's who, the way who, who could you sorry Chris, uh who could you put at uh if you had a number all schools, could you could you think of anybody you could put in there at this point? No, there's nobody. I don't think there's anybody in there that's really deserving. Because, you know, I don't want to look at playoff for that because playoff runs are kind of like, if high, you can win. You know what I mean? So we saw that with Whitwell. Um, I would think about Comprobation, but they also, what, they lost, didn't they? I, I yeah, I mean, they lost to Gordonsville, don't forget. They lost to a team that was 3-7 yeah. and seven in the first round. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so uh, good schedule on their part, you know, but – I don't know that I could put them there. Let's, let's talk about quick, you know, to kind of give the people some uh, some about before the next podcast or two. Uh, out of the teams we have in this area, who is – I know this is looking way ahead. Who is the most primed to make a playoff run? I'm talking semifinals state championships for the, next season. Uh, Baylor. Because they get all those skill guys back. Neelan Jean's back at quarterback. Elijah Howard's back as a running back. Uh, by the way, we were talking Mr. Football last week. We totally failed to mention Elijah Howard. My apologies um, to Elijah and the folks at Baylor. He was a finalist. And uh, we were going on about uh, Ronto Tipton and, and Aaron Swafford that we didn't get to Elijah last week. And I apologize for that. That was a total oversight on my part. Um, 
but I think Baylor is, I think next year could be Baylor's year. We saw McCauley do it this year. Wouldn't shock me to see Baylor do it next year. I think South Pittsburgh's going to be really, really good again. They've got a really strong senior class. I think next year is the last year for South Pittsburgh. If they don't win a state championship next year, I think they're, you know, they could be looking at a little bit of a drought. They could be looking at a, uh, you know, they, they could be looking at another couple of years before they get back to this level again. So uh, I think South Pittsburgh is there. Um, you know, beyond that, Chandler, I don't know that I, I can really, you know, if I'm really being honest about it, I feel like Tyner loses a lot in 2A. Um, you know, we know what all Meigs County is losing in 2A. Um you know, Red Bank just loses so much. That senior leadership, especially Maddox Wilkie, their quarterback, and uh, I'm going to need to see Red Bank on the field next year before I can really have some sort of a feel for them. And then once you get up into those upper classifications, especially 5A and 6A, I don't feel like there's anybody. I think Bradley Central should be better. Like Bradley Central should be really good. But I know who's in that region, <laughs> and until somebody beats them, I mean, I can't look at Bradley Central and say, "Yeah, that's a team that's, you know, primed to win a state championship." So, uh, I think what my about, uh, what about Ray County? I mean, as as wide open as five A was this year, and there's not really a dominant team. What about Ray County? Do you think that is a team that could have success next year? I don't know how much they're losing. What What do you know about that team? You know that's an interesting uh, that's an interesting thought. Uh, I'm not exactly sure. I don't have the Ray County roster in front of me, so yeah, I'm not. Ex- Come on. I'm Come not on. exactly sure. Would you want me to get up and go get it? No. Um, <laughs> I do have it. I just don't have it in front of me. So We're I'm making a wonderful podcast. We'll aren't we? Aren't we? <laughs> uh, but again, in terms of what they have coming back. I'm not exactly sure. But, yeah, I mean, kind of as you said, 5A was so wide open this year. Uh, could there be a chance that a team like, you know, Ray County could could sneak in there and, uh, you know, be a contender for it? Sure. I don't I don't see why not. But, you know, my, my gut right now tells me that our two best chances to win a state championship next year is Baylor. And, again, it's it's South Pittsburgh. I mean, those are the two that I would lean on. I would probably on Baylor more than I would South Pittsburgh because they, they did some key pieces this year. Um, it's hard to place that at a small school, harder than it would be at, at Baylor or Macaulay if you lost those kind of kids. Um, you know, so I, I, I think that South Pittsburgh, you're right. I think they have to be done next year. And I think it's going to be a situation in where you're going to run into Greenback probably. I, I don't know. I don't know what the future holds, but well, you never know what Greenback's going to have because you don't know who's going to transfer out of uh, Maryville and Alcoa yet. Yeah, is exactly. So you know, you kind of take that as a given now that hey, someone's going to go to Greenback and play at Greenback. But you know, I, I, I don't know. South Pittsburgh definitely has to win next year. Does 2010 count as? I think I think it does. It's not 2011. It's 2000. Yeah, it's yeah, that. From 2010. Yeah, you're talking about their so run have, of of a state championship or playing in a state championship every decade. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 So yeah, and and I, you know, I don't know. Decade, ten years is a long time, man. 
But I yeah. can tell you this, I think, uh, you know, they're, they're looking at four or five, I don't want to call it maybe four lean years after next year, but I definitely don't think they are going to be state championship material at South Pittsburgh after next year. So uh, take that how you will. But um, I do think next year they've got to be on the short list of, uh, of favorites because they got a, they still got a bunch of dudes. I know they're losing Ronto and some of those guys, but they still got a bunch of guys. They still got a bunch of guys that can go get it, and they'll get Braden Sanders back healthy next year to start the season. So uh, I think I think they're going to be fine. Best okay, and real quick before we go, uh, we talked about this. So some of the better quarterbacks talked about are leaving. You got Aaron Swafford, you got D'Angelo Harvey. Two of the ones that we've kind of talked about this year that are going to be back next year, Braden Sanders and Harmon Keith, I think they're very underrated, Chris. Are there any other kind of athletes or quarterbacks or anything like that in the area that you know that are maybe juniors or underclassmen that, that we've not given enough love this year that we we might see next year step up? Throw that um, throw Neyland Jean at Baylor into that mix. Um, I think I think he is another one that isn't probably getting the love from around the state that he should um, for as good as, as I think he is. I can't remember now if the guy, if uh, Javen Burke, the quarterback at Bradley Central, I can't remember now if he is a junior or a senior, but if Burke comes back next year, you know, from a physical standpoint, physically he's got better tools than any of these other guys we've talked about. Um, he's faster. I think he's stronger. He's bigger. So he is going to be a guy that, that if he's back next year, um, and I believe next year would be his senior year, and if he's back next year, he's going to be hard to handle at Bradley Central. So those are a couple of guys that I think that, you know, at the quarterback spot that deserve uh, attention. We do lose a really, really talented group of quarterbacks this year in our area. I mean, D'Angelo Hardy, Maddox Wilkie. Um, there's a, there have been some really, Aaron really – Aaron Swafford, of course. There's been some really good quarterbacks that have uh, – and, and guys that have played a lot. Oh, the other guy we need to mention in this group for next year is uh, Bryson Grabowski up at Copper Basin. Absolutely. I mean, he's, a, he's another guy – that I think can is I don't think he he may be under the radar right now a little bit. He's not to us because we follow this stuff, but I think to to Joe Fan he may be a little bit under the radar right now. But that's not going to be the case with him, Chandler, in, in a couple of months. I think that guy will when when college coaches and he and his dad is a coach and he knows the importance of of getting him into some camps and. You get that kid in the right camps uh, this season, and, and he'll get seen. And I think things for him will – I know he, he already took a, a visit to Kentucky this year, and it, it wouldn't surprise me at all to see, you know, more SEC schools show an interest in him only because he has that big body. He can run. He's a coach's kid, so you know he's got a great football IQ. So um, Bryson Grabowski is somebody else that belongs on that list, and I, I don't want to leave him off because, um, again, he's another guy that 
has got the physical tools to be able to play this game at the next level. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly there. Um, I, we've got a lot of great athletes, and we've also got a lot of great athletes that are still sticking around and are sophomores or juniors, and, and we'll see them next year. So, Yeah, I think the one thing about it, we've kind of hit this this run here over the last, I don't know, feels like over the last five, six, seven years where we've seen so many guys that have kind of busted onto the scene as freshmen and sophomores, guys that have played a lot as underclassmen so that by the time they get to be seniors, like a Ronto Tipton, like an Aaron Swafford, like a D'Angelo Hardy or a Jay Hardy, we've seen so much of them that they're – if you follow high school football in Southeast Tennessee, you know who these kids are because you've seen them play and you've seen them play multiple years. And that's been really cool. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's really been fun to, to watch some of these guys and see just how much better they have gotten um, to kind of watch them grow and, and play this game over these last three or four years. This, uh, this group of, of seniors of the class of 2020 as football players in our area, is uh, it's a good group. I mean, we, we have a lot of talented guys every year, but uh, this group in particular's really been blessed with a lot of guys that played a lot as freshmen and a lot as sophomores, and that really kind of, um, you know, they've been fun to follow. So uh, we'll get that next group coming through, and like, like you just said, we got a bunch of guys coming back too. So that'll be fun. Next year will be great. Chris, any final thoughts on this? No, it was a good run. You know, uh, it was a good run. Uh, congratulations again to Macaulay. My heart goes out to those guys at, at Meigs County, but let me tell you, nobody from Meigs County, not a single kid on that team, has anything to hang their head about because they had a fantastic year. And there's 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 about 300 other schools in the state of Tennessee right now that will trade places with you that would love to be 13-2 and two and have a silver ball. So there is, uh, you know, absolutely nothing to be ashamed of uh, for those kids and, and what they did. It's just a uh, – I had a great year, and it was fun. It was fun for us to do this podcast, and, you know, we're going to come back next week. We'll have our, um, our Pick'em uh, Bracket Challenge winner on with us. We'll do the um, – you know, we'll, we'll do our award show here soon before Christmas, and then in January we'll be back at it and um, visiting with some coaches, and, you know, we'll be sweating at some spring games before you know it. It's on its way. All right, Chandler. Talk to you soon.